0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, thanks everybody for joining us. Remarkable Results Radio, Carm Capriato and my friend Jake Sorensen. Hi, Jake. Hey, Carm, how's it going? I'm great, man. Shop manager, diagnostician at McNeil's Auto Care, Sandy, Utah. 2019 Napa ASE Technician of the Year. The 2019 Wrench and Wrench All-Stars Technician of the Year, ASE Master Tech L1, L2, L3. Anything else?
1: Got my world class recently, ASE world class. Yes. Finally finished that up.
0: Nice job, Jake. Proud of you, man. Very instrumental in helping develop an apprentice program that is registered with the U.S. Department of Labor that graduated into becoming the NAPA Auto Care Apprentice Program, right?
1: Yeah, they're rolling that. And last I heard, they've got close to a thousand apprentices enrolled right now.
0: And Jake also developed a curriculum for an automotive course that he teaches at an adult education high school. That's great.
1: Yeah, it's real fun to see different people in uh, different stages of life trying to find a career path.
0: It's no secret we're facing a technician shortage. But rest assured, Napa Auto Care is addressing that one tech at a time with your help. The free two-year apprentice program offers a variety of training to produce a technician through nine stages of curriculum, earning four ASE certifications throughout the program. To learn more, members can visit member.napaautocare.com or contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store's sales rep. I'm hearing so much buzz, Jake, about apprenticing, about young people joining our industry, that I had to have you on. Basically, I reached out to Jake and I said, Jake, what's going on with apprenticing? Here's my premise for our discussion so that you all stick around and listen to the things that we're going to talk about. We are having a terrible lack of new people considering our industry and the skilled trades are on fire. A lot of talk about it, a lot of schools refocusing on shop and investments in the automotive tech programs, but we are frontline in certain medias, but our trade versus many others, requires 40 hours of training a year. At least, you know that, Jake. It's a huge investment in tools that we require, and we have to be able to network, journal, and be a consummate team player. There's a lot of pressure. you got to be smart, but you also got to be a team player. If you're a carpenter, you can go out and just nail and be by yourself, and you're a skilled tradesperson. Now, the industry has a poor reputation, Jake, as unprofessional, dirty, low pay, and a lot of young people don't see a career path with us. They just don't. So do we hire a new person when that we do get them and really give them a slick, classy title called production apprentice? We've been talking about that for a long time. Doesn't mean that they're an apprentice program, but they could be in quote hours. And if you see the potential within 30 or 60 days, do you enroll them in an official or do you bring in to your company, an official apprentice program? And of course, Besides the NAPA one, there's so many associations that have them. But I think it, without structure, we're disappointing the young people that want to come into our industry. So we've got to have good culture, show career pathing. And I want to talk to you about the positivity and some of the challenges that you had, Jake, in getting yourself this apprentice program working for you. A couple of years ago you were on, you were on fire, and then you've had a couple of stumbles. But that's life. So until recently, Jake, you were on fire and then you've had a couple of stumbles. Let's talk about
1: it. We uh, started a second shop in 2019 because this apprenticeship thing had worked so well for us and helped us fill that technician gap that we had. We couldn't find new technicians, but we were able to build them. Felt like anything that you uh, really focus on and Seem to do well, it gets to a point where it almost seems too easy. We were put out an ad, we'd find some applicants, we knew what to look for to find the right applicant. We'd bring them in, put them through the program, and things worked out. And then, you know, reality hits you in the face, and you see that maybe we became complacent and maybe things changed outside as well. But we got to where we had a lot harder time finding applicants that fit what we were looking for. And so we had to adapt and tried different applicants. And we've brought some in that didn't work out. And we've had to figure out why and what can we do in the future to either avoid that or to help people in those situations to work out with us. And so we've had a lot of learning that we've done in the last few years about just things that have changed and the different type of applicants that we have and trying to figure out how to manage this thing moving forward. And I feel like we're getting back on track now. But I think it's a strong reminder that you can't just set any of these on cruise control. You need to constantly be driving this thing.
0: You are so right. Failing forward, I think, is a great part of wisdom, the things that we learn. I can't imagine, Jake, what you've learned since 2019 and where we are today in the kinds of questions you are now asking people that you want to bring into your apprentice program. Before, it was probably 10 questions, yeah, you're hired, and today... You're going into maybe communication styles. What do they like about life? What's the work-life balance issues? Because you're not only looking for an individual with the right attitude, you want someone that can actually fit into the family too.
1: The early part of all of this, I was a strong believer. And if we find somebody with a good attitude that's going to fit in here and has some aptitude, some interest in the automotive field, then we can train them. You know, We have the technical training available. We'll get them through that. And that served us very well. But what we found more recently is that a lot of the younger generation that we're having apply now really struggles with communication. And I'll be the first to admit I struggle with communicating with them. So, you know, we'll ask them to do something and they'll shake their head. Yeah. Okay. And then it doesn't get done. And you ask them a little bit later, Hey, how come we didn't finish that up? And they'll say, Oh, I didn't really understand what you wanted. And instead of asking, they just kind of wait for you to come talk to them again. And it's really frustrating for me. And I think a lot of other people in a position of training that you expect people to come and ask you when they have a problem. And unfortunately, we have to realize that that is the new generation. And that is a common issue. And we have to figure out how to adapt our styles and adapt. If you want to bring somebody in, if you want to train somebody, you're going to have to figure out how to work with people like that. And so. I've said my, my thought, my theory is that this communication problem is because a lot of them grew up texting instead of making a phone call. We grew up calling somewhere if you needed some help, if you needed information, if you want to know what hours a business was open, whatever it was, you made a phone call. But well, today, they don't call anyone, they're texting, and a lot is lost in text. And they've learned how to kind of navigate through a few short words. Instead of a conversation, you know, I look at my own kids and they have phones and they're on them all the time, but I very rarely see them calling or talking to their friends on the phone, they're texting them. And so the flip side to that is that we've seen a lot of this generation has really good written skills. So when you ask them to write up their findings on a vehicle, they seem to do it better than maybe the generation before them. So we have to figure out how to use that strength.
0: I'm confused. They could write it, but they can't speak it? Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, that's what I've found. So if I want to talk to them about what they found on a vehicle, tell them what I'd like them to look at, they really struggle. But once we get them through some training, get through some of that, if I ask them to write up what they've found on a vehicle, their write-ups are usually pretty clear and easy to understand.
0: I recently had an episode with uh, Sarah Frazier and a young technician. Owen, 23 years old, so he's Gen Z. And at the end, Sarah said, Carm, we're now going to test you with some acronyms and some short words. And I didn't know, but one, I guess that one, and I was i was close. And to your point about texting, we don't want to type, we just want to give a three-word acronym and have people understand what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, another issue as well. But luckily, I haven't approached that one just yet. I think that's an even younger generation than what we're we're seeing every day right now.
0: Jake gave someone a test to fix the soap dispenser in one of the bathrooms, and it goes to show you exactly the kind of challenges that you're going to have bringing on young people that have not been there and done that.
1: Yeah, I've joked around that a lot of this generation never fixed a flat tire on their bicycle. You know, they took it to the bike shop and had the tire repaired, and... We've had a few instances like this, but one that just happened about a week ago is that we had the soap dispenser out in the shop had come loose from the wall. And I asked one of the apprentices during some downtime if he would run to Home Depot and get some drywall anchors. And I just got the blank stare. And uh, what's the problem? Because I don't know what a drywall anchor is. I said, okay. So I explained it to him and told him what our goal was and what we're trying to do. He goes to Home Depot and he buys some and brings them back. And I said, all right, well, when we have a minute, let's get that thing mounted up there. And I see him go over there and stare at it and stand there, but wouldn't ask for help, wouldn't say that he had a problem. Finally, I realize, you know, he's struggling and needs some help. So I walk over and ask, you know, what he needs help with. And he says, I've never drilled a hole in a wall. I've never hung uh, anything on a wall. I don't know where to start. And it's pretty good for us to realize that a lot of us grew up fixing things around the house or helping our dad fix things around the house. You know, when you had something break, a lot of times, either we fix it or your dad fixed it or whatever. But this generation grew up calling a repairman, you know, taking it into the shop. A lot of them have almost no experience holding a tool or doing anything with their hands like that. And so there's a lot more walking them through each step on the early side than there was, I think, with prior applicants in the past.
0: But it doesn't mean that they couldn't be a great technician diagnostician someday, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, the applicant or the apprentice I'm talking about there has a great attitude. He wants nothing more than to make this his career. I mean, he's got a car that he thinks is just the coolest thing and takes it to different car shows and stuff. I mean, he's, he's immersed in this and this is what he wants to do. And so he'll listen. And when I tell him, you know, okay, this is step one, this is step two, and you got to watch out for this. He's listening and paying attention. And it can be hard to get that out of them sometimes to realize that they're retaining it or paying attention. But the next time you have a project like that, you watch them and they know it and can do it.
0: How are we going to fill this gap? It's a knowledge gap. I mean, Let alone all the work we have to teach them about automobile and the particular jobs and technology. But it's the practicality thing, Jake.
1: Yeah. The biggest struggle we've had lately is that the early stages of the apprenticeship were designed to be gone through pretty quickly. It's uh, making sure they understand how to be safe in the shop. They know the proper way to do an oil change or some of those easier tasks. And in the past, most of our applicants, they had been changing oil at home on their car. They knew how. We just wanted to make sure they knew the proper way, You know how to verify the correct oil, torque the drain plug, things like that. But now we're not just making sure they know the right way and trying to kill bad habits. We're literally teaching them every step from the ground up. And so these early stages have been taking a lot longer. We've really got to have the training wheels on. So instead of these early stages taking maybe three months, like they used to in the past, they're now taking us closer to six months. But once you get past that, it seems like they're up to speed with where the others were. And the remaining Training on the apprenticeship goes by just as quickly as it did for the others.
0: As an independent repair shop owner, do you find yourself struggling with any of the following? Uncertainty about the future of your business and keeping up with the competition. Are you spending too much time managing day to day chaos or struggling with new employees? Do you have time keeping up with industry trends? Do you find your marketing is effective? How do your finances look? Are you reactive rather than proactive? Do you know where you should be, where you can grow, and where you should cut back? If any of those situations describe where you are today, you are finally in the right place. Repair Shop of Tomorrow is Napa Auto Care's newest endorsed partner. They are helping shops nationwide run more profitable automotive repair shops by utilizing proven best practice marketing and coaching to leverage Napa programs to drive quality car count, sales, and profits. RSOT will look at productivity, efficiencies, effective labor rate, average hours per car, labor profit percent, manage and measure labor, and how you can create net profit. Mike Kraft from Chelsea Tire and Service totally revamped his business. He was ready to get out, but decided to give RSOT a try. Now he has two shops with a totally revamped business. Likewise, Tom Kilmer from Grand Rapids Motor Car, RSOT helped dial in his business and focused on key points that changed his business and his life, which is all in his bottom line. Repair Shop of Tomorrow offers a tier-based program to not only generate more business today, but to transform your shop into a top-level shop of tomorrow. RSOT can teach you how to make your shop profitable, and they can teach you how to recruit and make more labor dollars for your shop. Give Repair Shop of tomorrow a call, 440 for a free 20-minute, no-obligation consultation. I can't help but think that you've made possibly a few mistakes along the way, brought someone on that you thought was going to be all world and it didn't happen. And you waited a little too long before you moved on, realizing that <laughs> this this is gold. I, I brought this person on. I so believe in them, but the disappointment kept coming. I think your advice is please don't sit on it too long.
1: Yeah, it's hard to say what too long is, but my experience has been that you usually know within about 30 to 60 days if this applicant is going to work, if they're going to be an asset, if you're going to be able to communicate with them, if they're open to learning, if they're going to get along with the people in your shop. And if not, I'm a firm believer that we need to just pull the plug. We need to go another direction. As harsh as that might sound, we've got to make sure that we move on to the right candidate because the sooner you find the right candidate and get them into your program, the sooner you graduate somebody, the sooner you have somebody that can help, you know, produce billable hours in your shop. You can get to that end goal. I saw a little video clip from Gary Vandercheck that was saying something along these lines about, you know, why do we wait so long to let people go if they're the wrong fit? And I think a lot of us it might be ego. You know, we interviewed them and we thought they were the right person. It's hard to admit you were wrong. But guess what? I'm wrong every day and <laughs> we got to put that aside and realize that, you know, the goal here is to get the right person in. And it's tough because we put a heavy emphasis on finding the right person that has a good attitude. And there's nothing harder than letting go somebody that has a good attitude. But if they're the wrong fit for your shop, then they're the wrong fit for your shop, whether that be today or in a year when you
0: finally realize that. So we all say we want to hire for attitude and we'll teach the aptitude, but some just weren't destined to do this.
1: Yeah, I think there's some basic aptitude or learning ability and communication that just has to be there that none of us are going to teach. I mean, remember, none of us are professional teachers either. So we're doing the best we can with the resources available to us. And I hope that we're all trying to learn how to be better at teaching and working with people. But at the end of the day, you're only capable of so much. And we have to find somebody that fits with your personality, your teaching style, and what you can offer them.
0: Have you changed at all where you're recruiting from or where you're finding apprentices?
1: Still today, the best luck we have is just referrals and word of mouth. It seems like every other week I have a phone call from somebody saying, Hey, we bring our cars to you guys and we love your service, love the people there. My son or my nephew or whoever really wants to get into the automotive field. Do you guys do anything like that? Do you help people get into it? And we, yeah, of course we do. And what are they doing right now? What's the goal? And try and communicate with them. And a lot of times you find out they're in high school and early on. And we say, hey, let's keep in touch. Or why don't you come in and let us show you the place? And you get them all excited to see some of the equipment that you have. And maybe that's a touch for the future. We recently hired somebody in our quick lube center that is in high school, but hopefully one day we'll work into an apprenticeship. And it was from a friend of mine, was at a family event and heard his cousin telling another family member that his son needed to find a job. And he said, all this kid wants to do is mess around with cars all day. He's not interested in anything else. My friend went over and said, uh, hey, I know somebody that has an apprenticeship program. Maybe he can mess around with cars all day for a living and sent him our way. And he's been working with us since. And it's been great so far.
0: So they're out there. Just like when I was a kid, everybody, their cars were up on jack stands and the doing their own thing when cars were kind of simple. But people still have this inherent thing that want to work with their hands and fix things. And I think cars fascinate them. But we don't know how to recruit them because they're traveling in different social pathways. I love the thing about the, the word of mouth from customers. Have you ever thought of putting that little mini half by 11 card up on the counter that said automotive careers happen here and that's all it says automotive careers happen here and let's and see what kind of noise it generates
1: you know we haven't done that that's a great idea but we do put it on our social media platforms and show off the apprentices that we have which i think makes a big difference too i think it's great for people to see you know hey that person Doesn't look much older than me and they're building a career and they got into it. And maybe a few months later, you see they got another certificate and they're still there. And I think, you know, we'll never know who came to us that had some sort of impression from there and what the spiral effect is from that. But I believe that it is helping. And hey, maybe it doesn't help our shop, but it helps another shop. And we're building interest and letting people know that there are pathways.
0: Are you doing anything to help teach soft skills in your program?
1: We're not. So we are tied in with the the high school. It's a adult learning where they do teach soft skills. Unfortunately, I just am not aware of how to cross that and to handle that, honestly. But it's definitely a good idea for us to look into and maybe for other shops to look at how you can help bridge that gap.
0: I hate to say this, but I'm going to suggest this up to my great friends at Napa, and maybe you should too, to say that. We probably have to have a a little mini hourly semester thing going on with some soft skills, leadership communication. I never forget a couple of years ago being in a panel with our college and we were interviewing shop owners independents, and dealerships and asking them what do they need from the college. And they would raise their hand and say, well, I have a couple of your graduates and they've been with us a little while, but they don't know anything about anything soft. (laughs) We need to teach them that. One of them couldn't even sign their name on the application. That's probably facetious and maybe a little bit of a stretch, but they were asking the college and the college still to this day doesn't have a strong enough program. To your point, Jake, we got to go over to the the baccalaureate degree, got to find an English teacher to come in and talk about maybe speaking and communications and, and doing other things like that and I just think that we can well-round an individual. Think about it, Jake. Some of these young people could be shop foreman someday, could graduate and to be the senior service advisor. There are so many opportunities. We almost owe the young people that are coming in that we want to turn into, quote, quote, text mechanics, that other part of life.
1: I think it's a great idea. And one of my biggest frustrations when we started working on a, an apprenticeship was looking at some of the colleges around us and the curriculum that they were teaching. And they were still teaching technicians how to rebuild brake calipers and just things that we haven't done in this industry as long as I've been in it. The curriculum hadn't changed since the 80s. Well, I think it's important to remember that we shouldn't do that with our apprenticeships. So, whatever curriculum you're using, whatever outline you have, it needs to be adapted and molded every year when you find things that change. And I think that's a really good point that we need to look at is that maybe the early stages, we need to add some things about soft skills, you know, making sure that these apprentices know the right way to call in sick. They know what time they're expected to be here and what. The problems are when you don't show up on time or let somebody know, making sure they understand how to communicate better and what different paths they have to communicate. So I think there's a lot that we can add into these apprenticeships. But we need to make sure we're changing this and molding it to whoever we have in our shops today, not what was there when we first started this program.
0: Great point, Jake. Let's talk about tools. Have you heard from your uh, apprentices and the young people that have you know come on full-time with you post-apprenticing about the, the barrier to entry for tools? Or are you helping them out? Do you have a, a tool allowance? What's going on at uh, McNeil's?
1: Yeah, we've done a few things to try and help break that barrier. So we want them to help build their own collection, but we want to contribute as well. So we start them off with a Shop cart that they can use. So, the first several months that they're here, they don't have to buy anything. Whatever they need is provided, but it's not necessarily theirs. You know, they couldn't take it with them if they quit or something, but it's theirs while they're here. So, they're responsible to keep it organized and they can use it every day. But then we help them to build up that tool collection. At the one year mark, we give them a toolbox so that they can focus on buying tools and not. Storage because storage doesn't help you fix a car, just keeps your stuff safe. At the end of the program, we give them another tool credit or allowance to purchase some tools. They get to go on a little mini shopping spree. And then after graduation, and this is for all of our technicians, we have a tool allowance. So we have some little blue tickets. They earn tickets based on seniority. Each ticket's worth $25. Some of them are earning quite a few at a time, you know, that have been with us for a longer period. And they can use those tickets on some of the tool trucks or through NAPA, we allow them to buy anything on our parts account there and then use tickets to pay for them. And I've worked out a deal with the tool trucks that accept those so they know what they are, they they apply a credit on their account and there's no issues so it works pretty seamlessly. And that's been pretty good for us. We've had really good reception of that, but we're always looking to change. We've looked at possibly, you know, right now we're in talks about offering a full tool setup for these apprentices and telling them, hey, we don't want you to worry about buying tools. The stipulation to that, if you will, is that it would be the shop would own it. So we would keep it here. And you know, if you decided to leave, you wouldn't get to keep that set of tools with you. But as long as you're here, you wouldn't need to buy any tools. And there might be a point where we say, hey, at X number of years, that's yours. But... Still working out the details on that one, but that's probably the next transition.
0: Great ideas. Sure appreciate that. We, as an industry, have to pick up and clean up our image. And I know you guys have beautiful places. So when Mrs. Smith, the customer, comes in and says, hey, my son Johnny probably loved to work here because she probably knows of and trusts your service, but she also sees it as a nice, clean, organized place to work at. And I think we have to overcome that. So I guess some advice that I would give... To an individual who wants to put up a a great program, clean up the place. 100%.
1: Cleaning doesn't cost much at all. And I've heard you say before, a can of paint doesn't cost a whole lot. So nobody's telling you that you need to, to buy the biggest, most elaborate building and all this expensive furniture or something, but let's make it clean and tidy. And I really get the impression that some of the shop owners that maybe don't do as good a job at this, just don't realize how much of an impression they make on our industry as a whole. It only takes people going into one location or driving past one shop that's got clutter all over the place and looks messy for them to say, yeah, that's another auto shop. That's how they all are.
0: They're all like that. Every single one of them. So why would you want to work there and be a plumber, be a welder, be an electrician, be a carpenter? And I'll go to a different site every day and I go into people's homes, I go into businesses and I don't have to worry about working in a dirty environment. It doesn't take much to get rid of the clutter, throw some paint on a place, wipe off the counters, get rid of the dust, improve the uniform. Anyway, I know I'm preaching to the choir, <laughs> but I hope my listener will send this to a place that can help contribute to the professionalism that we need to build and grow in our industry. Because we can complain, you know, someone said to me, Carm, we don't have a technician shortage. We have a sh- a great top-tier shop shortage.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's true. I've said before, I don't again, I don't think we have a technician shortage. If I put out an ad, I'll get applicants. We have a shortage of qualified technicians or competent technicians and man, I'll tell you, I know a lot of good technicians that left this industry and it wasn't because they were being treated so well. I think we need to do a better job of retaining these. You know, we're we're losing a lot of technicians to retirement. And we're trying to build technicians here. But it doesn't do us any good to build these technicians if we don't keep them. So we need to focus on retention too.
0: Come back and let's talk about retention someday, okay? You guys are wise. you got, you got a great business. You're connected. And I so badly want one person, just one person who heard something. I know... They learn something. Listen to learn just one thing. So take that, write it down, put it on an index card, tape it up to your computer, put it on your to-do list, and do something to push yourself, the industry, your company, your employees to a brand new next level. And for listening to Jake's wisdom here and saying, I could have, would have, should have. I got to do something with the apprentice program. Well, there's 17,000 NAP auto care centers out there. And if everyone was playing in the apprentice thing, there'd be 17,000 apprentices. But there's not. There's near a thousand, a little bit more. And so where are the rest? Hello? Where are the rest?
1: Yeah, a big point on that I would make is that you're not gonna build a technician in a day. Our program takes roughly two years. I'm sure there's a lot of variation out there, but there's no program that's gonna build somebody instantly. So you gotta get started on it today, don't wait.
0: I love your point because I've been chatting recently about what a great apprentice program was and I can't remember with who, that versus college, and listen, I'm an advisor at college and I love and I believe in that pathway. But when we bring on somebody for 40 hours and put them in a quote, 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 apprentice program, kind of a full-time internship, right? They get so much more from the day than they would at college. And I'm not saying college is a bad, I mean, it's apprenticing at a shop and going to college, two different things and finding an internship, but a full turn internship, which is really an apprentice program, I think there's a ton more value there.
1: Yeah, definitely both have their pros and cons and that could be debated indefinitely, but it's really hard to beat the hands-on experience that you get in an apprenticeship. I know we've had apprentices that went to college as well, and they tell me, you know, on a Friday they'd pull in so and so's mom's van to do spark plugs and five of them would go over and do the spark plugs on that van. That was the hands-on they got for that week, and they're sitting there saying, "Hey, I just did 8 hours worth of work at the shop today." They in one day are getting more hands-on experience than some of these programs are having in over a month.
0: And every couple of hours, a brand new challenge. Yep. So, hey, are you the mentor in the shop?
1: Uh, Yeah, I am. I'm working right now at uh, helping somebody else to take over some of that responsibility. So a few days a week, he's helping me and hoping to transfer as much of that as I can right now, but I'll still be involved. It's a tough job. It is. The hardest part, I think, is being pulled off while you're still trying to work on the cars in your bay you know you still have expectations and things that you need to get done but you can't just tell the apprentice well a couple hours i'll come talk to you you know you have to make yourself reasonably available and so it's a difficult balancing act
0: it's like you have a wife (laughs) worse (laughs) okay you squared me up i get it jake Sorensen. i'm just so happy that you could come and just share and give an update on What's going on with your apprentice program and the challenges that you've had of late. And I'm just so glad to hear that things are looking up. And you know, that COVID, I think really put a little stab in us. change things. Yeah. So McNeil's Auto Care, Sandy, Utah. And I hear you're adding on to one of the shops, Six Bays. How cool is that?
1: Yeah, we've been working on that for a while and it looks like it's finally going to happen. So pretty excited to see it.
0: Good for you. Glad to hear it, Pete McNeil. I interviewed him recently. And so you guys should catch both Jake and Pete recently. They're good people with a great company thank you so much for being here on remarkable results radio jake
1: anytime Carm. thank you
0: thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast until next time